Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Days of Bagnold's Summer is a hard film to describe, particularly when you realise it was drawn from a graphic novel. On the surface, it couldn't be less graphic, or even novel, I suppose. The story of six weeks in the life of upbeat librarian Sue and her morose 15-year-old son, Daniel. Daniel is played by Nick Cave's son, Earl. Sue is played by the wonderful Monica Dolan. And it marks the directing debut of Simon Bird, best known as a comedy actor in the TV series The Inbetweeners. Sorry to hear about his trip. Daniel seems quite philosophical about it all, though. I don't want to be here, do I? I want to be in Florida, where I'm supposed to be, with Dad. I think he's quite disappointed, to be honest. Bagnard's summer, though, is quite different. And between us, I hope Simon Bird and I can capture its unique charm. Hi, Simon. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thanks for speaking to me. Who read the original graphic novel of Bagnard's summer first? Was it you or was it your wife, Lisa Owens, who ended up writing the screenplay? There's some debate uh, that remains about that. I'm pretty sure it was me, <laughs> although I can see that she, she bought it for me as a gift. But I, I read it first and, and loved it and handed it over to her and, and she fell in love with it as much as I did. It's something we kept coming back to. And, and when I finally got round to directing my first feature, it was something that had really stayed with us. And I think exactly as you described, really, it's, it's a strange one because I think people, when I tell people that, that, that I've made a film that's based on a graphic novel, they expect it to be about superheroes, not about um, middle-aged librarians. It was the first graphic novel I'd ever read, really, that seemed like it was aimed at middle-aged women. Um, what I mean by that is that the characters are so well drawn mm. and it's empathetic and funny and, and sad all at the same time and I loved that tone and that's what we tried to capture with the film as well. You talked about doing the change from being a performer which is mostly what you're known as Simon and, and to becoming a director I mean did you feel pressure to become a director or is it just something you wanted to have a crack at? Oh, absolutely no no I, there was no pressure at all I, I think it was just something that I've always secretly harboured ambitions to, to do. I love being on set as an actor and I love watching the directors at work and seeing how something comes together. I've always wanted to have a crack at it myself. Um, that aim has always been there while I've been acting. What was the first thing you did when you decided that this was going to be your directorial debut in a way? I mean, what was the first thing you looked at? Was it the script? Was it the look of it? Was it the casting? Oh, definitely the script. I think... With everything I do, the, the first thing I, I look at is whether it's acting or directing is always the, the script. And I made so many wrong moves on that front. You, you mentioned earlier that my wife ended up writing this film, but um, that was never a foregone conclusion. She'd never written a film before. She's written books, but um, she's never been a screenwriter. So I chatted to lots of different screenwriters before we decided that uh, Lisa should have a, have a go at it. I think both of us and the producer... And everyone involved. We're very wary about the idea of a husband and wife working together. But I'm really glad that we did, obviously. Uh, it was such a, a brilliant experience. And I've still got the ring on my finger. So it, <laughs> we came out all right in the end. Did you know Monica Dolan and Earl Cave already? Or did they come out of the casting process? 
Well, I've, I've been a huge fan of Monica for years, so I knew her as a, as a fan, but I'd never spoken to her. But she was always top of my list in terms of people to play Sue. So I just approached her and we met up and, and, and she loved the script and we took it from there. But Earl came out of the casting process. It, it just absolutely blew us away. We met hundreds of kids, but um, really there was never any questions. It was always going to be him from the moment he came into his first audition. For people uh, who haven't seen the film, all you need to have described to you is that he is Nick Cave's son. Imagine Nick Cave's 15-year-old son and that's kind of Earl Cave in this movie. I don't know whether he's really like that. Sometimes I think actors get annoyed when you say that they really like their character in person, but mm. I always take it as a, as a compliment because I think <laughs> it takes r- real skill and nerve to be able to be that natural on screen. Definitely there's an overlap between Earl and, and Daniel. Again, for people who don't know the story, it's about a 15-year-old metalhead who is pretty surly and grumpy and about how he, his relationship with his mum develops over six weeks of forced claustrophobic enclosure very similar to a uh, pandemic-based lockdown but uh, we were really worried about casting that part and and lots of the the kids that we saw for it although brilliant in their own ways didn't quite nail it because it's so important that as well as being grumpy and surly and morose there's also a sweetness and a vulnerability and a sense of, of humour there. So it's not just a sort of cliché sitcom teenager. And that's what Earl was amazing at, you know, giving us real lightness of touch to go with the darkness. While we were on the phone to my history teacher... We just had a bit of a flirt. Please stop talking now. If it makes you feel uncomfortable... It does. ...then we can talk about it. Talking about it makes me uncomfortable. I have to say that when you first start watching the film and you you see these two people sort of daggers drawn in that way that parents and teenage kids are, you know, and it goes into the weirdest directions without seeming like that. It's not arbitrary at all. It's just something really cool and interesting. Well, that's very nice to hear. Yeah, I mean, I and everyone involved with it, I think guess we're always worried about it seeming a bit too formulaic and uh, end up feeling like a coming-of-age film. But really, like, as you say, what's so great about the book is it's not about Daniel's first girlfriend or, or whatever. That, it's really a, a love letter between a boy and his mum, yeah. which felt like something I hadn't really seen on, on screen before. You know, it felt so relatable. You know, ev- everyone's got parents and everyone knows what it's like trying to negotiate that relationship, either from the parent's side or from the kid's side. Yeah, we've had so much lovely feedback in the UK and and from Australia about it really sort of hidden home with people. So I hope it does as well in New Zealand. How close did you stick to the original novel? I've I've only seen some pages of the novel and I sort of Googled it and it looked completely different. The tone was the same, but the look was so different from your film. Yeah, we, I mean, the tone and the, and the characters are the things that we were very careful with and did everything we could to retain and, and protect. The look, as you say, and, and also really the story is quite different. I mean, there is, there is no story in the book. It's a, it's a tone piece, and there's lots of um, vignettes, sort of postcards, really, of their summer together, and it's mainly drawings. Yeah. So Lisa really had such a job to um, try and turn that into something that, even though uh, there really isn't much of a story in the film, there is at least some sort of narrative over the 90 minutes. And in terms of the look, yeah, the, the look in the book is very stripped back and, and black and white and quite sort of grungy. And we decided to go the totally opposite direction and, and film it in, in widescreen with pretty bright, almost primary colours. Just 
on a you know, personal level, I felt I hadn't really seen a film in that sort of tone that came out of Britain. Britain's so good at doing kitchen sink dramas and gritty council estate social realism. But I wanted to do something really fun and watchable, something that's sort of, I guess, comic, ultimately. Although it's a sad film, you know, I hope people will, will laugh. What you said earlier about why do we bother? We're still here, aren't we? We can't muck things up too badly. The one thing I couldn't quite work out was when it was shot, because generally pre-COVID means big crowds. Post-COVID means two people at opposite ends of the room. And your film is quite sparsely populated. Yeah, really, totally. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. It would have been much, much easier to have shot it. If, I, if only I'd known there was a <laughs> global pandemic on its way. No, but you're totally right. I mean, the film is literally about two people whose summer holidays are cancelled and they're suddenly stuck at home together. It feels incredibly relevant. But you're, you're also right that it's, it's very sparsely populated. It's so much about the hothouse of their dynamic. I don't want to see too many other people. It's just about them. And they're sort of isolated both from each other and sort of from the world. You know, they're, they're both pretty friendless. It's just about them, really. So, I mean, is the UK film industry coming out of its lockdown now or is it still pretty tough to get into? Well, out? I mean, it's, so, it's just chaos, really. It's been organised, I think it's fair to say, pretty badly. We're sort of in and out of lockdowns and nobody really knows what the rules are. So stuff is filming, but there's never really any confidence that it'll last. I mean, are you working on a new film now? Are you working on, on something else? Yeah, definitely. We're, we're, we're both working on another film with Lisa, and fortunately, you know, film development takes so long anyway that we were never going to... Uh, I really hope that we found some way out of the pandemic before we get round to making our next film. It's going to be a couple of years off anyway. Will it be a similar tone, or will it be something com- completely different? I think it'll be a, a similar tone, probably. I, you know, I think the reason we landed on this project in the first place is this sort of tone of films that we love, Hmm. films that are funny and and sad at the same time. I think there'll be some sort of overlap while also being hopefully completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, I have to congratulate you on picking Bell and Sebastian. There is no band that could have been better suited for the film in a way than Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, and just an amazing privilege for me to be working with them. You know, they're one of my absolute favourite bands growing up and I, I used to listen to them all day every day so suddenly to be giving them notes on their songs felt a bit surreal <laughs> so I was just knocked out that they wanted to be involved and that was such a treat and I, we didn't even have time to be able to mention the great work by Thames and Greg and Rob Bryden who do these wonderful little cameos in it but I, I wouldn't want to take away from the two leads I just thought that Monica Dolan who's a familiar face rather than a household name but she's just brilliant She's unbelievable, you know. She's another actress, I, I guess, sort of like Olivia Colman, really, who yeah. is very sort of TV famous over here for her work in sitcoms, overlapping into drama as well. But it obviously just felt so, it seems so obvious to me that she's just ready for a, a leap up into being the lead in films. And I feel lucky that I sort of stole a march on, <laughs> on getting her her first lead part of the film because I'm sure there'll be so many to follow and, and huge success because she's such a brilliant actress. He spends so much time on his own. You weren't exactly life and soul at his age. When was the last time you had a night out? Just these three you wanted to borrow. As it happens, rather like to borrow you for an evening too. 
That's a sweet little British film called Days of Bagnold Summer, featuring Monica Dolan, Earl Cave and the music of Bell and Sebastian. And I was talking with the director, Simon Bird. Which brings this show to a close. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show yeah. is absolutely yeah. incredible. Or anime. Yeah, and under this sure. mask is another mask. <laughs> <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.